Hey guys, this is Kevin Schubert with the Bridge Bible Church Podcast. This is part one of a two-part discussion, so thanks for listening and enjoy the discussion. All right. Guys stir crazy yet? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, someone like me, I, I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit because I am somebody who's a little bit, uh, you wouldn't think so, but a little bit uh, introspective and uh, maybe introverted. And then I come out and play, and then I like to go back to my happy place. So. I've only seen you on the come out and play yeah, side. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we are on the uh, Bridge Bible Church podcast. If you were with us last time, thank you and want to say welcome. Uh, this is designed for those that go to Bridge Bible Church. Uh, last time we looked at Psalm 95 and talked about how do we respond in times of suffering, how worship is the antidote for worry and anxiety. And so uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about how the church should respond in times like we're in. Uh, But first, I just want to say who's with me. We've got Kevin Schubert, who was with us last time. He's eventually going to be doing most of the hosting on this podcast. And then with us, we have Brian Rambler. Hello, Brian. Hello. And uh, tell us about yourself, Brian, how you came to Bridge and what you do at Bridge and maybe a little bit about your family. Yeah, we came to Bridge uh, probably about four years ago. And uh, we knew Greg, who's the worship leader, and we were in between churches and uh, decided to give Bridge a, uh, a look-see. And, um, and so we, we've stayed around through the, through the good and the bad. So, um, so I, I'm on the worship team. I play guitar and uh, lead a life group. And um, that's everything I do officially. Okay. Great time to plug life groups. We're still meeting online. What time are you guys? Uh, six o'clock tonight. Uh, we're going to be on the Zoom app, app which uh, Brett Tippy and I, um, one of the elders of the church, we, we tested it actually on the way here just to see how easy the software was. And it was really easy. Uh, you don't have to download anything. You just click on the link and it interfaces really well with your phone. And it was cool. really So you yeah, do phone, really computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, we're, our group is meeting, uh, what time Wednesday? Uh, we meet at seven o'clock on Wednesday on the zoom app. Um, I believe you posted a link in our group, right? Yeah. On Facebook. So it's a young adult life group. If you're looking for a group and, uh, you're not connected, this would be a great time to do that. Uh, and the video, uh, chat is not what we're going to do long-term. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be back to meeting in homes sometime in the near future. So, uh, want to start just a little bit, um, in your guys' mind, what makes Bridge unique? I have some thoughts of my own, um, but uh, I mean, you could say, well, we meet in a gym and that's not very normal, but a lot of church plants start out that way in a high school gym or high school auditorium. But, uh, you know, Brian, you said you were with us to the good and the bad. What, what are some of the things that kept you at Bridge? Um, <clears throat> I think what kept me at Bridge was just the, the realness of the people. I think one of the weaknesses that we might, be perceived in having is not having a building. But I think the strength that we get from that is that there, there's more of a focus on, on the people and what's really going on, the kingdom of God. There's more of a focus on just the, the quality of what we're doing and uh, less of a focus on the physical building. Even though we're starting a building program, it doesn't seem to me that we've uh, lost that focus. And so, um, that's that's what is different different for me is that and also there isn't a um, 
<clears throat> I've been in church situations where there can be a bit of a uh, a bit of a cult mindset, either around an idea or around a personality. And so I don't get that here. It does, in my experience, it does feel like a real brotherhood. Even uh, Pastor Dave and I, I mean, we're um, really good friends. We hang out just as if we weren't, um, you know, in a church situation. So it, it does feel like the relationships are, are genuine and more genuine or, or at least as genuine as any other experience that I've been in thus far. Okay. How about you, Kev? Just to recap, what's the exact question? Just so I... <laughs> what makes Bridge a unique place uh, in your, from your perspective? Well, like, so to piggyback off what Brian said, like a lot, there are some churches that they put all their eggs in one basket as far as the building goes. And the building kind of, it's not supposed to be the church, but for some churches, it does become the church. And so when they lose a building, they kind of lose what they built their foundation on. And so some churches may feel like they don't know how to do church now without a building. Um, and I think with us, you know, we haven't put our eggs in that basket because we, we never had it. And so we've really had to um, focus on the community and the relationship building and all these, all the actual parts of church besides a building. And so now that we don't have one um, and we have even less of one now, I think that's kind of a, like you said, it's a strength because we have that camaraderie in that, in that relationship. And I think that's kind of where, you know, it's been a weakness, but it's, there are ways where it's come out as a strength. So I would just kind of agree with that. Sure. And, you know, one of the things uh, we were going to talk about is, uh, three false assumptions about what the church is. And you guys have both hit on false assumption number one, and that is when people believe the church is the building. Um, but we know that if you go to church and you're part of a church building, that church uh, is is just an empty building once the people leave. Uh, and that's why uh, you might have heard Gregor or I uh, say at the end of the service, Bridge Bible Church, you are sent because we believe that uh, the church is a group of people that are called to live a certain way uh, among unsaved people and make disciples. Um, so you guys have touched on this a little bit, but uh, when the church becomes about the buildings or the programs, wh what happens there? What happens in that case? Have you guys thought about that? I think it can become very sterile where you're doing all the right actions, but you're not the the heart or the spirit of it can be lost. And I think that can happen. And and just many things where, um, <clears throat> where the, the Holy Spirit is really what is the only thing that brings somebody to salvation. It's the only thing that causes somebody to grow. Um, you can have programs, and the programs need to have that element in order for people to, to grow along. And so I think if it, it becomes where you get the cart in front of the horse, where you start to trust in a certain program rather than actually trusting in what actually does the work, which is the Holy Spirit. Right. And the thing is too, you can run a program into the ground where you become all about the program at the expense of people. And uh, my philosophy and Kevin, you and I've had a lot of conversations in the office. The way I view programs is they're just a, a means to managing relationships or helping right. facilitate relationships. And uh, touching on what Brian said, how, how have you seen that at Bridge? Where, where have you found those relationships? Um, well, for me, it's been obviously the, obviously life group has been the biggest one. Um, but I'd say like, I never thought uh, helping out with sound and setup team, like 
it becomes like a little family kind of that meets Sunday morning. You know, we all we all kind of have this camaraderie about us. And I think that goes with any ministry, whether it's children's ministry or any of the other ministries we have. I think the the people that serve together just form some kind of a bond. Um, and it's a really beautiful thing about serving. Um, and so that was something I didn't expect from something like setup team. Um, and it's that's it's been one of my favorite things because there are mornings where I'm sure, Brian, you feel this way too, where there are mornings where we're just not particularly energetic that morning. And maybe we would rather stay in bed certain mornings or, or, you know, be able to sleep in. But there are mornings where we, we tough it out and we come. And by the end of it, we're all so glad we came because everybody just pulled together and, uh, and, and God just did something great, whether it was, um, whether it was through the setup or through practice. Um, and, and I'll tell you, as an outsider looking into that team, there are times if you're early, you can see who just rolled out of bed. And yep. it's just like the look on their face, the way they're walking. But yep. by the end of rehearsal, it seems like everybody has a spring in their step. They're smiling. Uh, they look like, hey, they, they were up at 6 a.m. ready to go the crack of dawn. Uh, it's not true right at 8 when we're dragging stuff out sometimes. But usually by the end of rehearsal, you guys have that spring back. Um, we touched on uh, building programs, all of that. Uh, another false assumption that I think people have, and we've seen this and our culture more and more because people will go to church once or twice a month and say, I'm regular or that's my church. Uh, and, and some have this mindset that they don't need the church to be a Christian or grow as a Christian. Uh, and I want to have you guys speak into that, but I want to consider Ephesians 3.10 just for a second. Um, Paul is telling them uh, in just three verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Seems like Paul puts a special value on the role of the church in revealing wisdom. Uh, what happens to people that undervalue being with their church body? And, and maybe you can draw from some of your own experience or even what you've seen in others with, you know, without naming names. <clears throat> I think there are things that, I mean, we're told in scripture to do it, um, but it doesn't exactly tell us why to do it. And, and it may be put out that way just to test our obedience. But I can say that in my experience, whether it was through worship, whether it's through life group, like Kevin said, whether it's just through um, just any aspect of what we do, that there is an intangible uh, effect that, is, that has been on my life. Um, like it says here at that verse, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So it does seem like the manifold wisdom of God would be something deeper than a doctrine. It's not just th this hard um, legalistic doctrine being made known, but there's, there's something deeper there. So I could just say, I can only speculate on it, um, intellectually and, and speculate on it as far as what my experience is and assuming that my experience would translate to other people as well. Now, a question came up, Brian, we were talking about Hebrews, uh, 10 25, where the command is given not to give up on meeting together. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are conflicted that we're not holding traditional church right now. Uh, we're not having a service per se. How would you encourage others to live out that command? Um, yeah, I think there's a way to look at this where you can be, uh, you can be legalistic about it and you can say that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, period. And not really 
uh, not really look at it practically. And, um, and the fact that we're not having church, the question is, is, is God unhappy with us? And I think that you can get into a mindset where you think you can please God by doing a command. And that command uh, becomes uh, like an Old Testament legalistic command. I think you can look at it that way, and there's probably Christians that are looking at it that way. But I think what what we could look at is, if you look at the verse in Hebrews 10.25, it says, not neglecting the meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day uh, drawing near. So looking at that verse, I can't help but notice that there's more to it than just the command or the, the, what can be seen as the command of not neglecting the meeting of ourselves together. But there is an, a, the other part of it is to encourage one another. And we have a, 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 a pandemic, officially a pandemic that's upon us. How dangerous that is, it remains to be seen. It appears that it, it may be dangerous. And so I think for wisdom and love for people that are at risk, and, and we know right now people that are at risk are the, the older generation, most at risk, and, and young people are at risk. And so out of love for people, we should at least uh, love and respect each other enough to take as many precautions as we can. But what we're doing right now and through life groups that we're actually uh, going to start doing online, um, we need to not stop encouraging one another, especially as, as we're in, in this situation, which is, could be devastating financially to some people mm -hmm. that may be in the, you know, the food service industry or whatever industry is affected by it. But yeah, small businesses, <clears throat> exactly all kinds of industries. Right. Right. And many people are just a paycheck away from, from falling apart and, and not paying a bill so that they can eat. So I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. We're just learning on the fly right now. And, you know, as we sit here today, this is, uh, an effort to obey that verse, to encourage, uh, one another. And, um, I would say that, that, that is what the verse is saying is to let's not cease from encouraging one another. So if you're not in a life group and, and you have access to the internet, uh, please email us at hello at bridgebiblechurch.com. We'll get you started in a virtual group and, uh, we're going to try to get as many going as possible. Right now we've got five and, uh, I'm real excited about that, but, uh, we've got room for more. Uh, also too, um, you guys may have noticed the, uh, United Prayer Times are trying to host, encouraging people to all stop at the same time every day and pray for a prayer focus. I don't know that we'll keep doing that every day, but at least every couple of days. Uh, we've done that the past two. We've prayed for uh, those in the medical field. We have lots of nurses and uh, even a couple doctors at our church. And we've got uh, a guy like Ryan who is administering pharmaceutical drugs during surgery. Uh, those, those, they're all at risk every day uh, as they're caring for people. And then lately we prayed for our educators. We have uh, people that work at Kent State. We have people in our church that work at field schools and, and other schools. And uh, we try to lift them up by name and email them uh, and encourage them that we're, we're praying for them. And so I think that United Prayer Time is another way that we can stay connected uh, spiritually. And uh, please don't miss out on those opportunities. Um, 
Any other thoughts on what happens, Kev? Uh, you, you haven't chimed in for a bit. Um, to, I'm to just people. listening. This is good stuff. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying it. Um, is there any other thoughts you have uh, on what happens to people when they undervalue their church body? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I know where it's it's kind of, I'm trying to keep it in context because this this goes so beyond just like a pandemic. I think I've told you this where I think back to every time I've ever seen somebody like fall away from the faith and I trace back to where I think it started or where I first noticed it starting, it always started with just missing a Sunday and then missing two Sundays and then missing more. And and it just came down to then, to be clear, then you didn't not, see him for... You're not talking about people that got sick. And, no, like, no. It, was, it became sick, a pattern. We don't want you there. Yeah. We don't want what you exactly, got. So exactly. when the pandemic's over, don't come sick. I guess the point is, the point is church is a priority. It's not always... It's, it shouldn't be something that's just optional where it's like, ah, oh, this ain't a big deal. I'll just miss it for this thing. Obviously, if there's a health issue or something pre- that's preventing you from coming, that's that's not what we're saying. But you know, every time I look back to somebody that 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 distanced themselves, it always started with you know missing it for for something that isn't really that important, um, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and then it just became a pattern where you didn't see them for a couple months, and then before you know it, they now they now they're not in the faith anymore. Um, and it and there's this idea that. You know, somehow just because we're quarantined doesn't mean we're cut off from our church. We're stopped from meeting for a while, but we can still pick up the phone. We can still video chat. We can still, um, you know, talk to people and encourage people and pray with people. You know, we still have our Bibles. Like, we're not as crippled as some people may think we are. Um, we're temporarily paused on meeting in person and giving each other hugs and, you know, all gathering in a building, which is a great time. And I really enjoy doing it. I love worship. I love being together and hearing the word. Um, but there are a lot of things we can do right now. And I think that it would be beneficial for us to, to focus on those things. Let's focus on what we can do, what we should be doing. You know, have you called how many people today? How, who have you checked on? Who have you, you know, encouraged and prayed for? I think those are the things that in this interim we can focus on. I think those are great things to think about too, but back to your point of people undervaluing. Brian and I are a little older than you. Sorry, that was not a good answer to your question. (laughs) No, but no, I was just wanted to give you like little history, Brian. I don't know what Talmadge was like when you were a kid. Western Pennsylvania, where I grew up, Butler, um, soccer practice ended early on Wednesdays because that was a church night. Mm, Not us. Oh, well, (laughs) uh, there were no games uh, or anything on Sunday before one or two o'clock. Because Butler was always seen as a quote unquote church going community. I, I think that's changed. Yeah. But I don't I don't see that same reverence uh for church in our current culture. But yeah. based on what you're saying, that was never here to begin with. Well, I would I don't remember games happening like Sunday morning. And it does seem like it's escalated a little bit where you have um like there's Sunday is become a day for sports <laughs> rather yeah. than because it I guess practically it's when no one no one's d- doing anything anymore if they're not going to church and so why not you know start your games bright and early Sunday morning it, but um here's a free spot let's take yeah <laughs> so I I think that that has changed even though we didn't uh have a uh have other you know kinds of um s- scheduling around church when I was younger so my prayer is for all of us that when we finally have that opportunity to get back together, we're going to, we're going to 
just be thankful for that and take advantage of it. Now, if you got sports or other things, we're not condemning you, but we just want you to know, uh, I've always said this from about people at Bridge, we don't want something from you, we want something for you. Uh, when you're not there, uh, we miss you, we notice. So hopefully you can hear that for all that it's worth. Okay, let's go to false assumption number three, because uh, I think we're moving a little slower than I had initially thought. So uh, if we get to the end and we have to do this in two parts, that's fine. Uh, some people have this mindset, I go to a church, so I must be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Why is that a dangerous assumption? Well, I would say that um, I think that's a very real, real question. And, and I think that what happens with people is they can go down one of two roads. They could go down the road of, um, of kind of going through a church experience and knowing how to say the right things and knowing how to, uh, knowing how to get by. And, um, and then obviously there's the other road of genuine salvation. And so I think what can happen is that you can have a lot of people that, that are sitting in church that have never really, um, had a genuine Holy Spirit conversion. Maybe they had a conversion to, oh, I believe the Bible, or I, or I feel emotionally, emotionally I want to be a part of yeah. this altar call. Exactly, get shamed into there's, it. Right. There's that side where you can you can say, well, I had the emotional experience, or, you know, maybe they they did something that others would qualify for salvation. Right. Maybe they spoke in tongues and they figure, well. I did that, and that's certainly not in our camp. But um, there's, uh, I think, what can happen is if if somebody doesn't actually have a an experience with the Holy Spirit, as far as resurrected life, that that salvation has to have that. And I think that if um, if you're a person that can't relate with having a, an experience with the resurrected life of Jesus. Um, I can say that my experience was I had a, uh, growing up, I had a really good grandmother that I experienced like real love, joy, goodness, gentleness. I, I experienced something from her where I knew God was real. And when it came time for me to believe in Jesus, I knew it was true because I knew that I had experienced something from that truth. Now, I, I know people that have come up not, not in, in a good experience with church, or a, they never really encountered uh, the practical outliving of the Holy Spirit. Sure. And they came to a knowledge of salvation, but then when life got tough, and I, and I can speak of, you know, somebody that I knew very well when life got tough and suddenly there was a way out of this, uh, Christianity when they could find in sure. their mind, what was an inconsistency. And once they, once they found that, then they found out that in their mind, Jesus wasn't the son of God. And sure. then, and they, you know, everything went from there. Yeah. Um, I think Jesus really unpacks that, that kind of situation. Well, in Matthew 13, uh, if you've never read the parable of the soils, it's one of the parables that Jesus interprets very clearly for his disciples shortly after uh, he teaches it. Um, 
Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that uh, false assumption? Yes. Um, so where I grew up, um, Scranton is ni- is very, very Catholic. Like it's a mostly Catholic place. There's there's a joke around Scranton that there's like a Catholic church and a bar on every corner. Um, and they're pretty much literally is like you can drive down any street and there's probably at least one of each. So in their theology, you could lose your salvation and then the next minute find it again at church. Yeah. So, (laughs) and, and there's always, if you just, if you walk down the street in, in my hometown and you ask just about anybody, if they're going to heaven, they'll tell you, yeah. And you ask them why, and they'll tell you because they go to church, they go to mass all the time. They, they do all the things they're supposed to, they go to confession. They do all the things they're supposed to do. It's the classic Oh, I did this thing, so I'm good enough to, you know, just like every other religion. Um, and so the 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 false idea here is that you go to church to be a Christian. You know, we go to church because we are Christians, and and that's not that's not the same thing. We go to church out of a a grateful heart and because you know out of obedience and out of a desire to gather with the family. Like I love going to church on Sunday. I look forward to it, and I think about. I've talked to Greg about this. Like we think about the church throughout the week. Like, man, I can't wait for Sunday. Like any other stuff and, and we have to do. you guys do that in a healthy way. I've been yeah. a part of churches where the membership, as soon as they go to lunch, they're criticizing the music, the preaching, yeah. the programs. And, and, and what I love about you guys, like both of you guys, is when we're thinking about the church, it's always, it's a very positive uh, outlook. And also, uh, but not denying our flaws. We we all work hard to get better at what we're doing. We had we had a, someone listen to our podcast and notice that uh, we are passing a mic back and forth at times because we don't have uh, the right interface that hasn't come in yet. Uh, it's amazing how astute people are to technology. Yeah, anymore. people get it, man. But but, but again, uh, what I love is we have people that uh, at, at Bridge that when they offer critique, they're, they're they want us to get better. They're cheering us on. They're not in the corner. And so I love that when you say I think about the church through the week. I know I'm, I'm trusting and I know you well enough to know that's a, it's a very healthy thing. We just love being there. Like it's, oh. it's, it's fulfilling Dude, and without it. my week. And again, I shared this from the platform. Um, my favorite moment Sunday morning um, is uh, when you guys are doing like the last song before I preach. And I know I'm about to go up and, and I have a heavy responsibility um, preaching God's word. But uh, that when I close my eyes, I just hear everyone singing together. That's like my favorite moment. That's that's the moment where I can just thank God for all the people that are behind me and uh, singing with me and worshiping with the band. And that's the other thing too. Our band, uh, for those of you that don't know, our band, when we talked about, you know, what our options were as far as services, uh, there was kind of a consistent um, read among everyone that we didn't want to do the service through a camera because, you know, I'm not criticizing other churches that do, but uh, the togetherness like in person is so big for our people. And that's where the idea of the podcast kind of spawned from. So uh, I want to give you guys a quote from uh, Wayne Gruden, and he actually references Ephesians 5.25. He says, the church is the community of believers for all time. It's us and all the believers in Jesus that came before us, though we don't know them or see them yet. This definition, Gruden goes on to say, understands the church to be made of all those who are truly saved. Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in Ephesians 5, uh, 25. So with that in mind, um, let's let's take a minute and let's turn towards scripture. We're going to look at a couple different situations. And, and this is in line, we're, we're spending a lot of time, you know, debunking false assumptions, talking about what we think the church is. And we're going to look quickly at Acts chapter uh, two verses 42 through 47. So if you're at home, um, you can write these things down and see if you can uh, 
pull them out of the text. We, we want to see a little bit what that early church was. Now, uh, a lot of people want to create like an Acts chapter two experience where they see multitudes uh, coming to Jesus. And that, that, that is a good thing. But I ultimately believe that was kind of a once for all time uh, kind of thing. Um, but I, I think when we look at Acts 2.42, we could start to see this is the kind of community that we need to believe. So uh, with that in mind, one of you guys want to read uh, those five verses. Okay, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing uh, the proceeds to all, and as they had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. All right, so let's take a minute and let's, let's all kind of chime in together. Um, what are some characteristics you see of a gathering of God's people? What, what makes us different? according to this text, and I'm sure there's others we could pull from if we had more time. But just looking at this text, what are some characteristics you see? And let's take a minute and talk about those. Well, I can see that there is a uh, common union. There is a lack of selfishness. There is uh, a family type of atmosphere that's going on. And how do you see that evidenced in the text? Um, well, the... Uh, the selling of their possessions and belongings and distributing them. I mean, that is, um, if that is family, <laughs> I can't think of anything else that you can do that'd be more family than that. Yeah. A lot of people look at that and go, see the early church were socialists. Mm -hmm. Problem with that line of thinking is twofold. One, the government's not compelling them to do this. So there's not like an overarching, uh, O oligarchy or overlord saying you got to share with one another. Like you get kids in like, you know, preschool or you got kids at home and you're like, got to share your toy with your brother, Johnny. And, you know, uh, the, the sibling throws the truck at them, hits them in the head because they're not mm -hmm. happy. They have to share. These people are, are not doing it because they're compelled, like, like the angry parent pushing them. And the second thing is they're doing it out of love. They're doing it out of need. And, and, and we see the early church do that so willingly. Uh, and I think that's just a great point. And listen, that's a great lesson for us because, you know, Kevin, early on, we talked about how people possibly endanger financially. Yep. Um, what, what I'm praying for is that Bridge continues to show radical generosity as needs come up. Now, thankfully, not many needs have popped up yet, but I, I imagine as this thing goes on, we're, we're going to have to take care of one another Yep. A, in a way that might seem radical or outside the box. Um, what else do you guys see uh, in this text? A couple of things jumped out at me. I think, um, you know, verse 44, it says they had all things in common. Um, I think about what that means, really, and maybe you can shine some light on it, because we're of a church with very, we have a very diverse church. Absolutely. Not only just idea and thought, but in, in just different walks of life, different seasons of life. Right. Um, but to come together and, and have that commonality of the gospel um, is something where there's just a unity there, even though we're different, we're the same. And I think that's really, really cool. So I don't know if you can shine some light on what exactly it means by all things in common. Okay. Um, well, first of all, let's start. Um, unity does not mean uniformity. 
So we got a lot of Pittsburgh fans at Bridge, which excited me because I'm, you know, Pittsburgh guy at heart. And so it's like, we're not going to come to Bridge and then all of a sudden become Browns fans. That's not how that works. Or uh, we have a lot of people of different political persuasions. And this is what I've been trying to like get into our, our consciousness that our main message is not a political message. So we start with what we have in common. First of all, we're all sinners saved by grace. Yep. We need the love of Jesus in our life. And second, that love from Jesus causes us to have love for God's people. And so I think if you're a bridge, you, you feel a commonality first and foremost with that. Secondly, I think uh, doctrine comes into play. Like Brian said, it's not the be all end all, but we want to make sure that we're in agreement on how we uh, identify and interpret scripture. And then also too, uh, what we think about what God said, there, there's some commonality there. Now, there are things that are what we call close-handed issues that I think we we have to have in common to be Christians first and foremost. Uh, the Bible, the authoritative word of God, uh, that God is Trinity, three in one, uh, that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. I think those are just a couple. Uh, but I think if we don't hold to those things, I think you're kind of outside of Christianity. Beyond that, how we do baptism, uh, the style of music we use to worship God, um, the structure of our programs and leadership, I think those would be secondary issues or open-handed issues, but those other ones we hold uh, with a very, very closed hand. Now, if you have some of these core things in common, if we're thinking rightly about who we are as God's people, things like political parties, what school district you're a part of, um, socioeconomic status, those all become secondary issues. And we should be able to be united with people that are different from us that hold those other things in common. Uh, have you guys seen that at our church? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as far as commonality, I mean, I've seen the way the parents at our church get involved with the school, like the way Greg gets involved with the school and other people get involved with field and, and different things like that. Like we're, we're a church that is active in the community. And I think that's something that, um, that, you know, I think it's so beneficial because, like you said, you know, we're in the school. That's kind of a, a good thing to have a relationship with the school. And, you know, we do the shoe buy and we do other things. Um, that's just one more way we can open the door and invite people to come in and worship with us and hopefully meet Jesus. Sure. Um, and then, and if they never come in, at least we had a tangible way that we could show them that we love them and we're here for them. I like that we do have different types of people. Um, but there are, there are, there are different elements of that there. And I think that it's, uh, it, if our focus is on the right things, it should not exclude somebody in another political party just because um, they they have different views. I think that it um, it can provide a, a dynamic where um, you can just it it brings more more spice to and and more of a, an energy uh, where we're not uh, we don't become. Um, I don't know, just too homogenous. And, and so I, uh, I think it, it works, it works just to give us a, a more well-rounded, um, view on how we, uh, how we are. And it makes us all more well-rounded. Sure. I think the church should also be a, naturally a reflection of the people in the community, which right now I think, I think we are, we're, you know, we're South of Kent. Kent probably has a lot more diversity because of all the college students that come from abroad. Um, Brimfield's pretty, it's just Brimfield. You'd have to kind of be here to, to know it. But we also draw from some of the surrounding communities, which is, which is also a good thing. So in verse 46, it says day by day. Just so we're, am I correct in saying they met every single day? 
Um, I would say Christians work together every day. They, they worship the first day of the week, Sunday, together, but it also they met in homes, uh, had fellowship together, had relationship together. I mean, let's be real, Kevin. I think I see you almost every day. Yeah. <laughs> Between all the volunteer stuff. I mean, not only that, you live around the corner from me. And so you, it's and like, you like to drink coffee. So yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm wondering, and I don't want to get too off topic. I think but, you just want a staff position. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, so verse 45, it says, you know, they distributed to all as they had need. I kind of wonder, because our wives work at CHM. I wonder if they kind of model that in some way with their the way they they share bills, they share healthcare bills. Like people people give into the pot and it pays for other people's you know hard times. I wonder if it's kind of based around that. I think if... I think probably, and I think that's why uh, you know you and I are starting to see the value of that. Like over the way traditional insurance works, where you pay all this money in and get very little covered. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a. Line. It is neat how it does work, and it's not a mandate. Yeah, the absolutely. government isn't making people do it, and sure. so. Maybe that is the answer to all of our problems is where, where we uh, give charitably without compulsion. Yep. Uh, I love it. Look at verse 43. Uh, you, you see a sense of awe. Um, have you guys had that sense being at Bridge at, at some point or another? I have a couple, but I could, I could talk for hours. A sense this. of awe? Yeah. Like, that, man, there's, God is doing something here. A sense of awe. Like, you're, you're just almost in disbelief. You're recognizing what's happening is not man's effort that, that something supernatural is occurring. I guess I'm afraid to think of that kind of thing just because I don't want to um, become complacent or to become proud of the fact. It's, it feels like surfing. I haven't done any real surfing, but I've done some wake surfing where you just have to focus on staying balanced. Sure. I and, agree, but I think there should be a sense where we can step back and go, yeah. Shoot, there's something happening here that's not because of us. Yeah, I can look at uh, the experience that I've had and um, just allowing myself <laughs> at this moment to do that. It's been an incredible brotherhood. There was uh, there's there's one um, example of a guy. His name is Michael Franzese. He's an ex mob boss, and he's turned. He left the life, um, left the mafia successfully. He's still alive. And he, uh, he's a Christian, and he, uh, he's a speaker. And uh, he says one of the things that he misses the most about his mob life is the brotherhood that he had with all of, you know, all of the friends that he had when he was doing that. And, I, and when I heard him say that, I thought, well, this, you know, I feel like I'm experiencing a brotherhood. I don't have to be in organized crime to have it. Let's <laughs> hope not. But, but I, I really do feel like I've, I am experiencing a real brotherhood. And I think that if I didn't have it there, I, it, it, may, it might be easy for me to take, take that for granted. Sure. Well, again, look at verse 42. Uh, it talks about fellowship, being part of the early church. I think you're describing that, that brotherhood, or uh, the Greek word is koinonia. Mm-hmm. I mean, we use the, you know, I hear the word fellowship. Sometimes I cringe because it's an overused term in church circles, it's kind of lost its meaning, but I think what you're describing is biblical fellowship. I'll, I'll give you an example. My phone just flashed right in front of me. We have uh, um, a, a guy, actually a couple that was at our church for about a year, but uh, Josh and Sarah Kotler, okay? She, shout out. Shout out. Hope I'll, I'll have him listen to this. And Anyway, um, 
They moved to Hawaii. She actually joined the military, mm-hmm. and they're in Hawaii. And I just sort of thought maybe the relationship would just start to fade away just because... Distance. Distance, yeah. yeah, out of sight, out of mind. But uh, I just looked at my phone, and I see uh, a text that came up with Josh Kotler and Dave Hall. And I think, I think it speaks of something good when, when the relationship is just as strong as it was with this person being thousands of miles away. Sure. Um, than it was when, when they were here. Right. And so I, I just think that that's really cool to be able to see that the, the effect that we've had on somebody's life is real enough to keep something like that going. Absolutely. Hey guys, this is Kevin Schubert again with the Bridge Bible Church podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, This was part one of a two-part discussion. Part two will be uploaded shortly, so stay tuned. And once again, thank you for listening.